0: Welcome ladies and germs to part two of my review and live reading of memories from the totally tubular 80s toys by Mark Bellamo. This was a great book that sort of depicts in a generalized very shortly described form the wondrous and amazing toys of the 80s. Last episode, we got through 1985, so this is going to be 86 through 89. And if there's time by the end of this thing, I am in a room full of thousands of toys. I will play a random 10 and give you memories of the random 10 toys behind me. Ha! <laughs> ha! I kill me! Ah, uh, who said that? Remember who said that? It was a very bad impression of ALF. Alf was hilarious. And I'm watching the shows on Tubi now and it's sort of fun to go back and see where I got most of my jokes from. He would do sort of this play dumb, make you feel dumb, sarcastic, quick-witted humor and it was mostly lost on the scientific minds like Willie, you know, the dad. But Alf is kind of funny because... As the word is that's thrown around now, it's toyetic. Uh, He was very toyetic. It was one of the very few shows where it was a single person or a single character based show. But there were millions of iterations. I mean, you could go, I think Burger King even had the stuffed animal toys that you would get with a Happy Meal, like a full-on, fully clothed, freaking stuffed animal toy. And It would be Alf in a Hawaiian shirt. It would be Alf with a surfboard. Alf in Santa Claus. I mean, I don't know. I don't. It. I have the one in the Hawaiian shirt, but it wasn't even the stuff like now. You would have to go to what was F A O Schwartz or the specialty section of the uh, toy stores and buy the expensive Build-A-Bear style. They used to just have that as part of Happy Meal premiums where you can go to McDonald's and buy the Muppet Babies. Uh, you know, you would still get your toy in the Happy Meal, but then for three ninety nine, you could get the 8-inch scale uh, toy-style plush. Man, just such awesome times. I feel like they don't even try nowadays. In fact, the biggest stir McDonald's has done recently with Happy Meal toys has been Pokemon, and they're still just pieces of cut-up paper. I still to this day don't understand how paper is collectible. Uh, I, I, just, I, I collect comics and trading cards for the artwork and aesthetics, but you cannot tell me that that dead tree bound by a staple is worth millions of dollars. I just don't understand it. But hey, you know what? To each their own. And uh, if, if you collect those things, that's great. But you can't tell me now. That, this is funny. I'm, I'm bringing this up because recently... Uh, Jeremy Padua uh, has been getting the toy community all hot and bothered by what's valuable this week sort of, you know, commentary. And he's showing all these PSA-graded, uh, like, rookie cards. I would never thought of a WWF trivia game as containing rookie cards, but considering it would be the first uh, card of that particular character, I guess they're calling it a rookie card, getting them graded and they're selling for thousands of dollars on eBay. And I've got them sitting here in a binder, ungraded, probably worth 15 cents. Cause it's got a stick of bubblegum residue on the back of it. Like it just boggles the mind what people are willing to pay money for. And it's just paper. You know, I get that they underproduce some of these magic cards or Pokemon cards or things like that. And if you caught the rare one with the special hollow foil imprint with the weird marking on the bottom corner, that one was worth more than the exact same freaking artwork as the one you got, uh, you know, just from the regular pack that everybody had. I'm sorry, I would rather have a reproduction of Spider-Man 129, the first appearance of Punisher, and... As opposed to, you know, the $800, it's probably now $1,800 comic. I mean, you know how many comics I can buy for $1,800? Yeah, I'll buy that dollar reproduction. Weird. I just don't get it. But, anywho. Uh, Mark Bellamo goes through this book, and year by year, he gives you sort of the top ten of uh, what happened in that year for as far as movies and toys and uh, he very briefly and somewhat crudely describes somebody's toy lines and as we discovered from the last episode i believe some of them are in the wrong spot whereas they may have been created in a certain year they didn't gain popularity so it should have been what was popular that year because lord knows some things have been created and, and it won't like look at Nightmare Before Christmas. It was created and it wasn't until decades later that it actually became popular. It was just a quirky, odd, weird show that nobody liked. And then all of a sudden now it's a uh, merchandise boom. I keep mentioning things that I was afraid of as a kid. And yeah, I pretty much was a a scaredy cat. Uh, I did an episode or two about my paranormal experiences as to why I'm sort of uh jaded by things now and desensitized so much that the devil could literally walk in tap me on the shoulder and be like oh man not you again i'd be irritated that he's bothering me but uh as a kid i was literally afraid of everything and partly because you know with the satanic panic in the 80s and growing up in a christian household and things like that uh my church and everybody who was telling me that certain things were evil i mean you'd go to hell for uh rock music, or reading the wrong books, or playing Dungeons and Dragons, and watching Thundercats. Uh, It was all evil, you'd go to hell, but somehow Ghostbusters, which I thought was a horror movie, I wasn't allowed to watch those either, but somehow Ghostbusters was turned into a toy line. And now that I look back on it, it was actually probably a really good thing, because it showed kids you didn't have to be afraid of ghosts, that you could have the power to stand up to these things and trap them. And boy, do I wish I would have had a ghost trap or a photon blaster or something when I was a kid, because I actually had paranormal experiences with ghosts that I thought, you know, definitely would have helped. But here in 1986, now, you know, they showed ALF, they're showing all the toys from Ghostbusters, and I didn't have a single one. In fact, I really liked the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. I had, I, I think, a couple of uh, erasers, because eraser figures were popular. Um, but I, I don't remember having anything else from Ghostbusters. Maybe a, a book or a magazine article or something like that. But, yeah, it wasn't one of those things like, mommy, mommy, go buy me uh, Ghostbusters. It just it wasn't, uh, wasn't my thing um alf again they're talking about and the trading cards were funny because you watch the show now as an adult you look back and realize he came from a whole planet whereas you watch let's see i go off on these tangents uh when i would watch star wars or i would watch alf i would look at chewbacca and think yeah it's a really cool character i never once thought of him as a race and that he came from a planet of Chewbacca's I never once thought that Alf was a race of alien and that he came from a planet of aliens but then there was a cartoon and a fake baseball card set of all these Melmacians, where there were multiple Alfs and to me it just looked like Alf in different t-shirts because they all had the same face it's not like you know humans where we have two eyes two nostrils a mouth two ears and you know things like that at least wear different variations and colors, different hairstyles and clothing. Every ALF looked the same, like the exact same. If they were all naked, which I, again, it wasn't until just recently that I was concerned about the gender of my cartoon characters or my toys that I ever considered that these characters were naked on TV. Uh, So ALF was one of them. I just thought he was fuzzy. No idea uh let's see 86 they're talking about jenga i don't remember that coming out in 86 to me again that was a 90s thing laser tag hard to play when you don't have friends didn't have a lot of friends as a kid so board games shit like that right out the window battle beasts now there's something cool very interesting that at the same time pvc characters were coming out of cereal premiums uh and toys were actually fun uh, when it came to that and I hope that segment didn't get deleted and my phone goes off 24 7 this is a minor rant a complaint it's hard for me not to be distracted because people are constantly texting me and bogging the shit out of me on my business phone and that's also where I'm recording my podcast so it's hard for me to not get sidetracked see there goes two more notifications right there that I can't help but read Uh, But I hope that segment didn't get deleted. In fact, I actually would like to do a whole episode on minifigures and cereal premiums because Happy Meal toys, things like that, were a lot more fun and actual little figures. And Battle Beast was another cool one. That was one of those that um, I just, it was an interesting concept. I don't know what the correlation between them and Transformers are, uh, but apparently they both I don't know maybe they came from the same company uh, in America all I knew is that they both had the uh the heat uh sort of sticker that you know you could unveil if they were Autobot Decepticon or which element they were part of I mean obviously the shark has got to be a water sign right I mean you know but anyway they were fun they were little animal versions of uh the men figures the Kanikomen, uh, keshi stuff from Japan and I thought they were great I you know, don't have any now. I had all of them when I was a kid because the KB toys, I think they were two for $5. Um, you know, they would do the three for 10 or the two for five. And, uh, I don't know why, maybe they didn't have a cartoon for some reason, kids weren't into them, but I loved discount toys. In fact, to this day, I still collect discount things, probably more than anything of stuff that I hadn't planned on buying. My biggest impulse buys have been discount toys. And that's how I've got into, you know, some of the most random things, but they're fun because I collect toys for the sake of toys. Not that I play with them, but because they're fun characters. And that's what reminds me of my childhood is toys for the sake of toys. I think that's something that's lost because everything now, especially concerning like wrestling figures, they're like artist maquettes. You know, those little things artists use to, uh, like uh used for reference and they pose and they're the little wooden dolls that you can pose in any i mean that's what every figure looks like to me now and it's terrible i'm sick of seeing that ball shoulder joint 15 different uh bisects and cuts into the legs and arms just so they can pose and move in every i mean man They've got you all so fooled now with toy photography doing their advertisement for them in hopes that you'll get free figures as an influencer that they don't have to do any marketing whatsoever. They just give you one of these multicolored maquettes and let you pose them and buy all this shit to go with it. And Anywho, this was supposed to be a lighthearted podcast where we're talking about toys for the sake of Toys. Let's move right along there. Construction toys were fun. Uh, Centurions, to me, was like a uh, a mix of, say, Transformers and Legos. But more so, there was a brand called Constructs where you actually were making... Uh, they, they would connect in hexagonal patterns or with hexagonal joints. And they, uh, were robotics. Robotics were big in the eighties. They wanted the more. I realized they trained us for jobs of the future was with the toys that they gave us in the eighties. So a lot of the scientists and people, uh, that played with construction Legos, as kids became engineers and software platformers for Microsoft and you know, so on and so forth. Now, me, I played with a bunch of giant naked, sweaty men and that's what I draw for a living now, but moving on, um, yeah, Centurions, I think I maybe had one or two, wasn't a big fan, they were cool, uh, now, here's something that starts to get weird in 86, the big five, as I called it, let's see if I can even list them off, uh, Transformers, G.I. Joe, Masters of the Universe, uh, I can't, my brain's gone already, uh, anyway, the main, uh, so let's say Star Wars and, um, Marvel. I don't know. Anyway, the big five main uh, toys in the 80s, uh, those all inspired other brands to just come out with crap because they saw how much money these things were making. They're like, well, here's a movie. Let's turn it into a toy line. I mean, Police Academy is a great uh, example of that here you have an r-rated movie where it's all about sex and crude humor and nudity what are you going to do with it let's turn it into a fucking toy line that seems great that seems smart so then the next police academies after that were all rated pg but man police academy one i don't know how many times as a teenager i rented that from the library thinking it was a porno and it did the job but uh yeah like the, the the toy lines just got ridiculous, and now all of a sudden, you have Chuck Norris in all these bloody, violent martial arts movies. What are you going to do? Let's make a toy line out of it. Same thing with Rambo. Rambo was not a kid's movie, but let's make a toy out of it. So that's what they were doing in the 80s, is like literally everything was marketable to where they just shit out toys for no reason. Ghostbusters sort of uh, sort of worked, because it looked like it should have been for kids, even though the first one was pretty much a horror movie. Uh, and there were some sexual parts in there, too. But then, of course, now Ghostbusters 2 was basically geared towards kids. Um, so there was a lot of weird crossovers, as far as I was concerned. Now... It does seem now, and I'm not peeking through the rest of the book because I don't want to spoil it for me. I want to have reactions to this as naturally as possible. They're talking about Nintendo in 86, and I want to say this is the beginning of the video game era, even though arcades and stuff started coming out in um, 81 and was popularized with Atari and stuff like that. But with Nintendo coming out... I I want to say that's more 87, 88, but then again, I just probably got everything two or three years after it already was popular. I mean, I didn't get things the day they came out. Uh, but Nintendo was a game changer because all of a sudden you had toys and now you had a game where you could play with your toys without actually having to touch your toys. So you wouldn't have to make a mess. One thing I hated as a kid was setting up a giant battle. And I mean, giant battle. I had every GI Joe as a kid. So I'm setting up 150 Cobra figures on one side with 32. And I'm not exaggerating. I'm serious. 32 vehicles. And then on the other side, I got rolling thunder. That was my aircraft carrier. I was the cool kid because I had rolling thunder. Um, so and then I'm setting up I had more Cobra than G.I. Joe because the good guys didn't need as many as the bad guys. The bad guys were sort of expendable. And uh I would set up like fifty-six G.I. Joe's in ten of their vehicles. And man, it just by the time I got setting all that shit up, I was like, God, I don't even want to play with this anymore. And I stopped playing with toys right about the time wrestling figures in Hasbro started coming out. Because it was much easier to grab a bucket of wrestlers and one ring and sit at the end of my bed uh, and just you know, do one-on-one matches. I think at most I would do a Royal Rumble and reach over without looking and whichever one my fingers touch first would be the next entrant to the Royal Rumble. But it was cool when Nintendo came out because now all of a sudden I could set my figures up and display them and then I could play with them virtually. So that was fun. I mean, I could go on about how cool Nintendos and things were, but uh, that that was pretty much my experience with that, is it was a way for me to play with my toys without actually having to muck up my toys. So again, with them just spewing stuff out after something is popularized, uh, it, I liken it to the 90s comic boom, where all of a sudden the top five artists from Marvel quit form their own company in image comics. And then everyone in their freaking mother decides they're going to start their own comic book. And it just made everything worthless. In fact, everyone had their own comic and their own comic company. And it just got out of control. Nineties uh, comics were just absolutely terrible. The well, same thing as late eighties toys. There were some very memorable and fun toys in the late eighties, but the creativity sort of stopped. I mean, I'm looking now. This is still in their 1986 chapter. Bionic 6. Part human, part metal. I mean, they look like Robotech. don't really care. Next page. humanoids. I don't even remember these. Uh, it just doesn't seem like... It didn't have a cartoon. Wasn't something I was totally interested in. I mean, you remember Rock Lords? Literal rocks. I mean, He-Man did Stonedar and Rock On, which is kind of hilarious now as adults thinking of some of the names of these toys like snow job (laughs) oh it would have been way funnier when i was a kid if i was a little older now it's hysterical but rock lords what the fuck would i want a transforming rock but they sold you literally everything it's oh god look at that seriously the next page i guessed right the very next one is rock lords my god look at these things They're literal rocks that turn into robots. So now, as marketing manager, you just explain the most dumbest shit to your boss and say, all right, I got this really cool idea. Transformers are popular. What if these robots turn into rocks? What? Okay, Uh, technically that already happened because He-Man had meteorbs where these testicle-shaped eggs would fly out of the sky and transform into different animals. Um, transforming toys were super popular. Look at the McDonald's Transformers. Those were actually kind of cool. Who wouldn't want a Big Mac that turned into a robot? But, uh, yeah, just this is the shit they started spewing out in the late 80s that just didn't make any sense. So now you don't even have to engineer and come up with a good concept. You're just like sitting in your backyard with your kid who's playing with transformers you look at a rock and go there's an idea i i just i, I don't get it the barbie gets hip and trendy don't really care it's the end of 86 let's see 87 now they're talking about live action and different kinds of pop culture toys uh Wee's playhouse um, I watched a few of them, but frankly, I thought Pee Wee was annoying as hell. I didn't like the voice. I didn't like the character. I started getting uh, of an age where I was understanding other aspects of pop culture. So I thought it was really weird to have, you know, a black cowboy or a somewhat homosexual type main character and it looked like maybe what we would now call a transvestite as Miss Yvonne like I just I remember being weirded out looking at Pee Wee's Playhouse and that's fine if you watch that and you know where it was inspired to create RuPaul's Drag Race good for you that you had something for you but as a kid I started thinking all right in 1987 I was, uh, let's see, about eight years old, eight, nine years old. I started understanding what that thing between my legs was and that I liked girls. And uh, sometimes it just, yeah, by the time I was seeing these things from 87 to 90, I started questioning like, ooh, I don't know, I don't want to be watching this crap. Uh, And there wasn't anything wrong with it. It just didn't appeal to me anymore. And the imagination seemed to be gone because now I was watching adults dress up like cartoon characters it was live action it was just awkward it's different than seeing a barbarian in a loincloth because that was fictional now i'm watching an actual adult that's just weird and then the california raisins like i'm sorry they look like poo to me it's not a racist joke. I mean, they literally look like little poo. I knew they were raisins, but it's something I was talking at the end of the, uh, you know, two podcasts ago, how it's difficult to draw uh, darker skinned people underwater. When you're drawing a raisin with black lines and then coloring it a deep purple, it's hard to tell what these things are. And with bad TV and uh, things not being as crisp and clear as in definition as they are today, California raisins looked like walking, talking poo nuggets. Like it looked like talking shit, like the poo emoji. And I know it said raisins and I knew what it was, but at this point I, you know, I'm getting to the age where I'm getting sarcastic and I'm starting to adapt to the world outside. And I'd been picked on enough that I started uh, almost picking on other things. So yeah, the uh, Silverhawks. this is another reason. Uh, 87. What the hell were Silverhawks? Why would I want superpower action by flipping their legs closed and having these wings pop out of this chrome figure? I could just... Captain Power. What the hell is Captain Power? It looks like a knockoff of Star Wars. seems like the late 80s were all knockoffs of something else. Now, this is something, and it's weird. This dude is focusing on the wrong things uh dino riders it's it's like two and a half paragraphs where he's showing this dino riders i thought were amazing it was original there wasn't any dinosaur cartoons at the time i don't even think dino saucers was out yet but they were mask-sized micro figures that you put on dinosaurs what kid doesn't like dinosaurs and they were uh weaponized dinosaurs so they were basically mask prehistoric mask vehicles and I thought it was great. Each one came with a little comic book explaining the story and that's something I wish would come back now. I think it would be really cool to have that line back. I mean, they, Entertainment Earth did a little exclusive where they came up with like these little uh, Keshi-style gummy uh, minifigures, but I think as popular as Jurassic Park and Jurassic World figures are now, you could come out with a Dino Riders cartoon or something, but again... Are we allowed to show violence? I don't know. It's a different world, different era now. Uh, Captain Power. Jeez, like who cares about that? Uh, the Supernaturals. What the heck is that? I remember seeing them. And at Toys R Us, and I I would look at them like, well, these are just weird. And then you, they had like a lenticular sticku- sticker or a uh, well, that's hard to say, lenticular sticker. Or a hologram sticker that if you turned it the right way in the light would give you uh, an image of something scary. And again, at this point in my life, you know, I wasn't allowed to have anything horror related or anything scary. These didn't really scare me, but it didn't seem like, I mean, the whole upper half was just basically a sticker of this figure. So I, I just, I don't know, I didn't really get into it. And then the same thing with these visionaries. These were, like, dumb-looking G.I. Joes with holograms. But 87 did have a lot of things, you know, movie-wise, that I was starting to pay attention to, like Lethal Weapon or Beverly Hills Cop, Three Men and a Baby. We all still think that there's a ghost in the background. I guess they finally said it was a cardboard cutout for somebody's birthday in the back. I don't know if that ruins it for you, but... um, yeah, I think in by the time 87 was coming around, I was getting more into music and MTV age, even though I wasn't allowed to listen to rock music and I was going to hell for it. Um, I, I, I just, I think I stopped being interested in toys for the sake of playing with toys in 87. And it's partly probably to blame on Nintendo because they didn't have to play anymore. Now, they're going to talk about '88, and this is something interesting because a lot of memorable and fun toys that I remember liking that were original did come out in '88. Um, one of them being Ninja Turtles, which is really weird because I associate Ninja Turtles with more 1990. But I do remember there were eight, you know, kind of like how every toy line used to start with eight main characters. Uh, you got the main four Ninja Turtles, Splinter, April O'Neil, a foot soldier, and then Shredder. And then later, you know, they come out with Rocksteady and Bebop. And I I remember that it was weird for me because I wasn't into gross toys. I didn't like Garbage Pail Kids or Mad Balls or anything like that. That wasn't my thing. Yet somehow, I kind of got suckered into it because of Ninja Turtles. Now, Ninja Turtles would be One of the last original ideas that would inspire other things. In fact, uh, the Ninja Turtles toys basically became Dick Tracy toys. They became Toxic Avenger toys. There's so many toys that look like it. Just like Mass of the Universe inspired wrestling bootleg toys, um, other barbarian toys like Sun Man, uh, all, all those things. It's all because of he-man same thing with ninja turtles ninja turtles inspired a lot of other people um but it was gross it was all about the ooze in fact they had a lot of gross toys where you could just slime your figures and i didn't i don't understand why anyone wanted to do that why would you want to destroy one of your toys especially when it's uh you know something maybe your parents had a hard time affording and you just want to throw goop on it uh, you know, see, they're also talking about, um, starting lineup. I, you know, I wasn't a big sports kid. I started collecting the cards in about 89, just because you had to. Uh, if you weren't into sports and baseball and Bo Jackson between 88 and 90, uh, they question your humanhood. They, they like, weren't even sure you were from this planet. If you didn't have cases of red Don Russ cards from 1989 so I I think I had to get into it just because by that age being 10 11 years old and getting towards preteens you know you're susceptible to uh, peer pressure and I just you know yeah enough about that I just I never had one Uh, I think somebody gave me one and I I threw it away or gave it to somebody else now next they're talking about is uh, Beetlejuice this is another one like Ghostbusters where I didn't like the gross out toys And uh, I wasn't allowed to see the movie because it was technically horror. So I I didn't really get into it. Now, funny that they're showing Bendy figures for Roger Rabbit. When Bendy figures were, in my mind, way more popular in the past. Every brand seemed to have... They were like the Funko of the 80s toy lines. Because if there was a popular toy line... You knew there would be a bendy at some point. But much like many of the uh, toys in the 80s, they couldn't make something like that now. In fact, you would play with it for maybe, I don't know, an hour before that wire came flying out of that plastic and slice your hand open. Uh, So I had that happen, and I never really liked bendy figures again. Because, you know, it's funny... Uh, one of them actually did split open and they curved the end of it so it's more of a loop, like an armature in a sculpture. But the knockoff brands that most of us got from Safeway, you know, there would be a popular toy and then China would make something cheap that they would sell at Safeway in their little toy aisle. And uh, you'd get one of those and crack it open. That thing would just slice your hand open. It's terrible. Couldn't make something like that now. RoboCop. Why would RoboCop have a toy line? Do you, all the blood... I mean, didn't some guy's dick get shot off in the movie? I just don't understand all these toy lines with based off of rated R movies. It just didn't make sense. And I talked about uh, Cops and Crooks uh, in a couple of episodes ago. I really liked Cops and Crooks, and technically, and I pointed this out to a buddy of mine online, I believe... Cops and Crooks was the first multi-articulated figure uh, like what we have now in Marvel Legends, where it had shoulder and arm joints, wrist joints, the rubber band like a G.I. Joe. I mean, G.I. Joe was there, yeah, but uh, G.I. Joe was kind of like swivel arm, weird, uh, you know, up and down. It could kind of do the chicken dance if you wanted it to, but it was still pretty stiff the cops and crooks line really really to me was one of the more posable lines as a kid and the first uh marvel legend style multi-posed action figure so this was one of the first things i actually wrestled with so what i started doing was having wrestling matches with non-wrestling figures when i was a kid because they were terrible hasbro's Let's let's face it. As popular they are now, and me making the majority of my money off of bootleg Hasbro style art and uh, figures, Hasbro's were terrible to play with. They were stiff, they were bulky, they scuffed easy, they hurt if you dropped one on your foot. Uh, same with LJNs. They was just they were basically rubber statues and hard plastic statues. But they were very colorful and memorable. But you couldn't wrestle with them. Try and do a figure four leg lock with a Hasbro. That's not happening. But you have a G.I. Joe or something bigger like a Cops and Crooks. Man, that was awesome. I wrestled the hell out of those. I thought wrestling with He-Man figures was fun. Until Cops and Crooks came out. and I was like, dang. They should make a figure like this. Weird. Now look at us. 89. We made it last chapter of this book. And what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of 1989? Was it Batman? I guess. I I, I think so. I think... Now, this is the one... I've said before that I hate Batman. And that's not entirely true. I hate DC Comics. The Tim Burton Batman, Michael Keaton Batman, I actually really liked. The toys were cool. The Batwing was cool. I love aviation. And the Batwing just looks like the B-2 stealth bomber. Um and the toys, they didn't have Secret Wars anymore, and they sort of continue on with superpowers, which became Super Friends. So it was interesting f- to see that that line was sort of continuing. And it, it, you know, as a kid and close to preteen now, seeing something brought back five years later was just the coolest thing in the world because I had had superpowers, like I said, when I was a. Very young kid, but then to see a couple of years later they're still coming out with the same thing when I was a kid, you know, it's hard for me to even uh, recall and uh, admit to this. But everything that I love usually only lasted about a year or two. I, I think He Man was in syndication for a lot longer, but really it was only like three years that the toy line existed because even though it came out possibly as this book states in 81, which I don't ever remember seeing it. It was really only from 84 to 87 that Masses Universe was popularized and in stores. And then, uh, you know, G.I. Joe, yeah, it lasted a while. But for the most part, you know, once they started getting into those neon figures, everyone stopped collecting G.I. Joe anyway. Um, so, yeah, it was nice to see something brought back like superpowers and turned into super friends and then still be the same style of figure for the batman movies yeah this is they've got like pages and pages of dc superheroes and all that uh they mentioned game boy coming out and then like a lot of weird food stuff like food fighters barnyard commandos New kids on the block, pop culture, dolls and toys. None of that was interesting to me. Marvel hadn't had any figures. And then all of a sudden Toy Biz started coming out with Marvel figures again to sort of compete with the popularity of the DC superpowers. We hadn't had Marvel figures since Migos in the late 70s. So uh, other than, you know, Secret Wars. But you only got like, I think at most 16 and, you know, you only ever saw 10 to 12 of these things. So Toy Biz was kind of cool, but they were very awkward, and even though they had action features, they didn't look like the comics, and they were just... Yeah. Wasn't really a big fan of those first few Toy Biz. But now once they got into X-Men in the 90s, it was the best toy line ever. But those first Marvel ones? No. And then Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. like, Man, they would just come up with the most random crap. I love Bill and Ted, but why did they need a toy line? Honestly. Honestly, Vanessa. Why would they need a toy? All right, so that was it. We made it through the whole book, and that is the end of part two. So as promised, I'm sitting in my office. My office has thousands of figures in there. I am going to uh, randomly point at something and then turn around, see what it is, and tell the story behind it. So this could literally be anything. So I'm doing just like a kid. I'm closing my eyes and I'm spinning my finger in the air. And I'm going to stop right here. And I'm going to turn around and see what I am pointing at. Virgil. Good Lord. WWF Hasbro Virgil. I don't even remember buying that damn figure. I don't even know why I had a Virgil figure. Uh, It just... It may have been one of those three for tens. I want to say he was a yellow card Hasbro. Now it was uh, it would later become a big part of you know what I'm doing now is I make custom action figures for people. I turned Virgil into Zeus, who was definitely a more prominent black character than Virgil was. But Virgil also had reusable parts that I used for other things. I've dissected that figure in several ways to come up with uh, different iterations. But to me, Virgil was always the bodyguard, and we never got that figure. If you were listening to this podcast at the time that I appropriately listed it at, the Virgil figure as bodyguard should have come out already. We'll see about that. I'm thinking that's going to be the March release. Uh, let's do it, something else. Sorry, right, I'm going to randomly pointing one, two, three, stop. And God, I have a lot of wrestling crap. It is ring masters, ultimate warrior. Uh, I have an entire wall of wrestling stuff, so I probably just shouldn't point behind me. I should point like up and around and whatnot. Uh, ring masters were those giant wrestling figures that were sort of fun. And, um, Holy crap, my phone will not stop going off. Do you people know how to turn off those little flip-down, drop-down things at the top of the damn phones? Like, it needs to stop. Holy shit, I get talked to and messages from 50 different people every single hour, and it's constant, and I have a short attention span, so I can't not not look at it. I need to turn those off because it's irritating as fuck. I appreciate the support and people wanting to chat me up, but holy shit balls! I cannot use my phone for anything other than business. Because when I do, blip, 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 I got all these messages to go back and look forward to on every social media known to man. Oh. I like the Ringmasters. They were cool. They were large. They were fun. It wasn't something they had done before. And I like cartoony style uh, type things. But nothing uh, nothing really stands out about those. I think I got it at Walmart And I only, at this point in my life, was collecting Legends-type figures. So I had stopped getting all the new characters. I mean, wrestling figures, I've literally owned every one, uh, you know, since Hasbro and Jax in the early parts of Mattel. And then I stopped about, oh, maybe two thousand. 14 maybe 2015 I stopped collecting wrestling figures as a whole other than just the legends because I realized they were just going to come out with a John Cena and a Triple H every single wave so yeah it's enough of that random object number 3 behind me and 2 3 for and stop I am pointing at ooh Triclops the eraser figures remember those a lot of things in the 80s had eraser figures and I really, really liked those. Uh, they were sort of uh, faster produced and not as detailed. So you usually only got two colors. You got the base color of the figure, which of course with Triclops is peach for the skin. And then you got green and black. So it, to me, it was interesting. It was like, now I look at vintage style art and uh, you know the 3D art where you had to take the little... Uh, not 3D art, what am I saying, the uh, encoded art of those like, uh, Puccini notebooks or the little sticker, whatever they call them. And you take the little red square over the red and blue artwork, and it would reveal a hidden message kind of thing. Uh, Panini, maybe that's what it is. I don't know. Is that a sandwich? Is this a bread? Oh, I think it's a sticker company, whatever. So, um, I, I, I like that sort of, Two or three color artwork, and it was cool to see how they could come up with it now you know prince adam they did uh an eraser figure of him, and it's got just a purple cloak, but peach skin for his legs, and then black boots, so it looks like you know he he's naked, just uh you know it so anyway, it was different it it was nice to see something different if they were smart, they would have done it through the mini comics and made it a blue tunic instead of the purple-pink tunic, but hey, you know. Back then, you didn't have to have a backstory to everything. You just created toys because it looked cool. All right, and random object number four, and it is TNC Surf. Now, they never made figures of that. I'm pointing to some pixel art that I did. TNC Surf was an awesome brand of t-shirts with what they now call Thriller Crew. Steve Nazar created uh, iconic... Surfing gorillas and cavemen and s- cats and, uh, you know, all the sort of stuff and the tiki guys. It was just, it was fun. And probably m- one of my biggest cartoon influences next to Garfield, quite honestly. Um Yeah, I re- I look up Thrilla Crew with a K. They're back and they've separated from TNC Surf. But that was the yin yang shirts that everybody had with the checkerboard uh, painter hats and uh, they're back. So I've got a lot of their shirts and a lot of uh, stuff from the new things. Let's go. And number five is Toy Biz Saber Tooth, One of my favorite figures of all time. Uh, this is the one with the longer hair before he got kind of bestial and he's in the, the yellow-orange in uh, black trunks. So it's kind of almost like a He-Man figure, uh, crossover kind of thing. But he had the, uh, he had, would swipe the abs and Wolverine's claw marks would show up. So it kind of reminded me of Battle Armor He-Man. It was cool. And I remember there was one Christmas I'd returned everything. I didn't get, uh, hardly any toys, but I was trying to go through and the toy aisles were empty. And I saw this weird card and it was Sabretooth. And I didn't even know X-Men, was coming out with figures. But I loved the cartoon in the 90s, so when I saw that, I was all kinds of excited. Because remember back in the day, you didn't know something was going to come out two years in advance and pre-order it and never get it, like Super 7. But you went to the stores and saw something new that you didn't even know they were going to come out. I wish that was still the case. All right, now, number six. And I am looking at Clawful. Mint on card, it's actually the commemorative stuff. Do you remember when, uh, I believe, Walmart, 2010, maybe 2009 ish, uh, was coming out with the reissue, Masters of the Universe? Um, uh, it was pretty cool. I always liked Clawful. Uh, I liked his skin tone, and I, I liked the red against that and sort of the dark blue. So Clawful was actually one of my m- more uh, favored Masters of the Universe figures. Uh, right next to Fakor, believe it or not. Um, moving along, let's see, number seven. We are looking at uh, Alley Viper from G.I. Joe. So, you know, they did start towards the late 80s doing and including a little more neon into things. Um, well, I loved Desert Storm. I thought Desert Storm was. Um, interesting to watch. I was old enough to understand why it was happening. And I love the military vehicles. So I would set up my GI Joes in front of the TV. And this is sort of the seventh, second incarnation of GI Joe, I believe Sunbow, where it was Captain Gridiron and all his people. And then they started uh, making more of uh, neons and futuristic style weapons. Like they got away from the Vietnam style looking characters and was doing more modern warfare uh so you know it was cool but alley viper was sort of one of the last of the original joes before they started getting into all the weird characters and i just liked it because he was it was orange i loved orange the color orange was great it was general lee it uh, was just a bright fun color and before we associated it with a president it was just an amazing fun color of a tiger that's what that reminded me of let's look at something else and it's the tiger speaking of tiger oddly enough tiger electronics just came out with re-release video games uh something i was talking with another friend of mine uh, you know he was excited and was a video game fan and pre-ordered some of these So when I saw the X-Men game, the packaging was great. The nostalgia was there. I popped a few batteries, yes, batteries, into this portable thing. And I wanted to play it. And, God, I forgot how terrible those things were. Absolutely terrible. It was like the watch graphics. Where, if you had a calculator watch, that's what it looked like. It was a superimposed uh, black over a goldish green background and if you were lucky they could color the background to make it look like you were actually scaling a building or something but i quickly realized with this x-men tiger electronic handheld game that the figure just moves forward you can't i mean you can't choose where to go it just goes and then you could hit jump and that the directional buttons were actually where you wanted to shoot Cyclops' laser I maybe got two minutes into playing that and shut it off and just put it on a shelf because the packaging looked cool. In fact, it's one of the few things I put back in the packaging. Took the batteries out and just put it on the damn wall because holy hell, we have come a long way with video games and for good freaking reason. Two more quick things. Oh, okay. Okay. Remember in the 90s boom that I was talking about with the comics, they started to come out with all these femme fatales, and I think his name was Randy Bowen would come out with these uh, sculptures. They were plastic mini sculptures. If you couldn't afford the bigger $300 statues, they made like little tinier versions, and it was like Dark Child and Witchblade, uh, characters like that, uh, or Chaos Comics. And they would have the same body just different sculpted pieces so like lady death and purgatory were practically the same they just gave him a different cape and uh you know it just yeah thing that bugged me about those is they actually tried to make him an action figure instead of a statue which i don't i don't understand that so they created this sensual shaped woman and then they took an exacto knife to her hip put a joint in there and called it uh, a hip joint where she could kick out now but it would do it in an awkward way that would go with the sculpture so that it just looked absolutely terrible and you couldn't pose those things for shit mcfarland toys were the same way they would sculpt an awesome figure but not even care about posability or playability and then they would just go oh let's cut two slits in the hip and two slits in the shoulder and call it an action figure it's fucking terrible But they were great statues. And at that point in my life, I was mainly collecting comic books and comic book-related trading cards. And uh, they were great statues. But that line bothered me. We don't need a hip joint in a figure I'm not going to put in a vehicle and roll down a hill. All right. Let's just call it last one. I don't remember if I was on 9 or 10. doesn't matter. I'm probably as bored with this as you are. Random thing behind me that I am going to point to and talk about is... I don't want to talk about that. Nope, I don't want to talk about that either. You know, fuck it. Let's just talk about Cops and Crooks again. I really love the Cops and Crook line. But if you notice, there was a few of them that actually looked more like G.I. Joe's. Uh, One of them looked almost spitting image of Ripper had the same kind of style haircut and the glasses. And then there was another one, boy, I forget all their names, but the the guy in the pink shirt with the facial hair that looked like Ripper, the Dreadnought, and then the guy with the buzz cut that looked like Brian Bosworth. I used to tag team those two guys against Rock Crusher and Boom Boom. Boy, I can't remember. I can't believe I remember those two. So the guy from in the prison outfit with the jackhammer, I'm pretty sure it was rock crusher. And then boom, boom was apparently an Android. Uh, it was a mobster in a purple pink suit and you could open his chest and guns would come out suspiciously like real blast. Uh, but man, I used to wrestle with those four the most and it was like dreadnoughts versus criminals. It, it was just fun. The good guys, <laughs> I didn't have any of the cops. I thought they were terrible. In fact, the only one I liked was Bulletproof, the The main guy. Uh, he he was cool. Like all the other characters, yeah, the guy with the dog was okay. Uh, but yeah, the good guys, they were all kind of just the same. I mean, I just, I don't know that I was starting to not like authority at that point or not, but villains just, were more colorful and more fun so i loved all the crooks as far as cops and crooks went and uh you know again i still like the, the such a short-lived toy line that was absolutely fun in every way except for the good guys all right y'all let's wrap this up and uh, call it a day i had uh, fun doing this as a break from the usual complaining and Knowing me, most likely there's probably going to be an episode or two of complaining and bonus episodes in March. But this should round out your week three. And I hope you've had a good March. Uh, I'll listen to these as well again. And it's just nice to take a break from all the complaining and all the howling that I usually do. But it's so hard to look at where we've come from to where we are now and realize how different things are and that they've really just taken the fun and imagination out of everything. I mean, kids don't play with toys anymore. Well, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was complaining about Mr. Potato Head now being gender neutral, which a couple of weeks ago for you was really only like two hours ago for me. But uh, it just, why does that even matter when kids are going to be like, well, that's not an app? That's not something I'm going to play on my iPad. It's just a different world now. It's it's a completely different time. Uh, I, you know, video games didn't ruin my childhood. They actually just added to it. I still collected toys and loved the imagination. And you still had to have some kind of skill to play video games. Now you could just hit easy mode and story and breeze through the whole thing. And it autosaves saves. At all the, I mean, the most you have to go back in time in a game that's modern is like two minutes. Oh, dang, I gotta go find that extra clip and ammo and extra med pack before I move on to the boss again. Man, back in the day when you lost, you lost. You had to start over. I miss the good old days. Stay safe and sane. April Fools is coming up. I don't even want to know what 2021 has in store.